Welcome to Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. My name is John Bartlett, and I'm your host. Dr. Linda Harper is a clinical psychologist and pet bereavement specialist who helps guide people towards the positive ways our dogs can still impact us after they pass. While traditional bereavement may focus on your grief, Linda feels that there's so much more we can continue learning and can use to empower our lives. She knows firsthand how it can feel, as even in the loss of her late dachshund named Chili Dog, she has found a constant source of inspiration to keep his positive legacy going. And Linda's patients have found this non-traditional technique to be helpful as well. It leads to a special bond with our dogs that doesn't ever have to stop. Linda, thank you so much for joining us today on Dog Save the People. I'm really honored to have you, and I'm such a huge fan of your work. Thank you. Thank you. I'm (laughs) I'm a fan of your work, too. (laughs) Oh, thanks, Linda. So whereabouts are we speaking to you from? So I'm in Palos Park, Illinois, which is a southwest suburb of Chicago, about a half hour southwest. Okay. And is that where you grew up? No, I actually grew up in Minnesota, but then I've been here since college. Okay, wonderful. Now, I wanted to ask you a little bit about growing up. You showed signs of being an animal lover really from the get-go. Just early on, that was my life, dogs. And I would only read books that were about dogs and animals. But I insisted that my mom check the back of the book to make sure that the dog or the animal was still alive at the end. Because I've heard this from other animal lovers, <laughs> how sensitive we were. And if <laughs> if there was going to be a suffering or a death, as a little kid, I couldn't read it. And I remember, even though my mom was nearly perfect as a mom, a couple of times she missed it. Like once there was a puppy with the same name alive at the end, but the dog had died in the middle. And oh, I, was, boy. Oh, I was devastated. But see, you can relate, right? Totally. <laughs> I read on your website that as a young child, you were you and your sister were rescuing abandoned stuffed animals from the thrift stores. Yes, we did that. And we, you know, we wanted to save them all. And I remember truly thinking, how do we know they don't have feelings? (laughs) But (laughs) really being sensitive. And so, of course, they were the ones, smelly or not, that would sleep in the bed Mm. with my sister and I. And the dolls remained in the closet. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I love that. That's so beautiful. It's so interesting because I grew up with a brother who wanted to be a veterinarian. He actually ended up becoming a psychologist like yourself, but he, uh, his bed was filled. I mean, there was no, I couldn't even find him sometimes in his, we had bunk beds and he had 30, 40 stuffed animals and he grew up really wanting to, to help animals. So I was actually showing my dad some kennel plans for how I was going to save dogs. I was 12 years old. Uh, he was a, a huge dog lover. And so he said to me, well, that's wonderful, Linda, but why don't you help people first? And of course, yeah. I did whatever. <laughs> my dad was my hero and whatever yes. he said. And honestly, that day I said, OK, I'm becoming a psychologist. And then, of course, I end up where my biggest passion is helping people help animals. That's so beautiful. So tell me a little bit about your trajectory through your career. Started as a a normal psychologist, if I was ever normal, (laughs) with a clinical practice. My husband and I actually had a traditional clinical practice for 37 years. And 
as it works out, I got the initially it started with a, a cat that I had rescued that needed to come down to work with me. And then the next thing you know, it's a dog that needed to come down to work with me. And I always had therapy dog or cat from pretty much after, you know, the first couple of years on. So they were always part of my practice. And then it just developed more and more into working with people who love animals. The human animal companion bond became one of my specialties or area of expertise. And then actually there was the one dog, Chili Dog, that totally changed the way that my career went in the last eight years. Now tell me about Chili Dog. I know he was your hairy soulmate. I was running my um, nonprofit at the time, Blessed Bonds. So that was an organization that I started here in the Chicago area where I saw there was this great need to help take care of people's pets when people were in crisis, whether they were in the hospital or sick or out of a job, whatever it might be, we would take care of their dogs and cats temporarily for them and then give them back to them when they were able to take care of them again. Of course, needless to say, at the moment that Chili Dog came into my life, I was completely overwhelmed and overloaded. I had many dogs and cats temporarily in my house. And so Katie, she was a a vet tech, still is, and a volunteer for Blessed Bonds. So she calls me up on the phone and says, hi, Linda, I want to start out by telling you I'm not asking you to take a dog. Okay, that should be your first clue, though, when somebody says says that to you. But she was just looking to see if there might be funding available for this emergency dog that needed emergency mouth surgery. And he was this sweet little 10-year-old long-haired doxy wiener dog that she named Chili Dog. He had beautiful red hair. And she had rescued him from a hoarding situation. Mm Mm-hmm. And so he went to the vet and the vet was able to save him, although we weren't sure. And it was 22 teeth needed to be pulled. So anyway, I said to her, well, when he recovers, let me take him to my house and take a picture, some pictures of him, because I think I know another doxy lover who may want to adopt him. So she was at my house. I took some pictures, a chili dog. It was getting late. I had to be at work by three o'clock. So I said, well, let me just bring him to work with me. I brought him to work with me. The first client he saw, he was just an amazing little healer. Wonderful. The next client at four o'clock, even better. And the next thing you know, by the end of the night, he had a new job and I had a new chili dog. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I love that story. And I have to say, I had a therapist for many, many years. And she always had a small poodle, like a miniature poodle with her. And that poodle would sit on my lap. And that poodle got me through many, many things. The poodles were her her co-workers. So I totally get it. Yeah, Chili Dog had his own card and everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that. And um, so how long was uh, was Chili Dog with you? So I had Chili Dog. He was 10, around 10, they figured at the mm. time that I got him. And so I had him for almost five wonderful, wonderful years, and my clients loved him. So the way that he really affected my life at that moment is actually when he passed away. 
And what happened is I was thinking after he passed away, I was going to need to tell 40 clients about that he had died. And I thought, after all his healing and wonderfulness, and they're going to come into the office expecting to see him because he just, he was almost 15, but he still died suddenly on a Sunday. And I thought, I can't have us just have crying sessions and everybody being sad and me worried about them and them worried about me. And so I felt inspired by Chili Dog, actually. I felt like he had said to me, I'm not gone. Our work's just begun. This bond goes on forever. This isn't over. And I felt inspired to write this very uplifting poem about how wonderful he is and how his spirit goes on and he'll still be with us. And so then I shared that with 40 clients and it was very uplifting. And I realized after that, I felt joyful. And to be honest with you, the sadness never returned. I just felt whenever I thought of Chili Dog and still do, it's so full of joy because I had retold that story 40 times. That became what I learned later when I did some research. That was the neural pathway I was creating in my brain about who Chili Dog is and was. And so it got me so inspired to think, Chili Dog and I can help others going through the hardest thing there is to go through if you love yes. animals. Yes. is they're passing. And here I have this totally different experience. How did you feel that connection? Kind of the initial connection that you felt after Chili Dog had passed? Two days after he passed away, I already had a planned one-week retreat in California. Uh, kind of a spiritual retreat that I was going on. So the timing was just incredible. And so actually, I was walking through the mountains and by the ocean, and I, I felt chilly. I felt his mm. his presence. So for some people, they actually, they feel like an angel on their shoulder or an active spirit. They see regular signs. For some people, it's just a feeling in their heart or just the new way we're changed or just the love that goes on forever. There's so many different ways for everybody. Yes, I agree. And I've had many dogs through my life, but I had one particular hairy soulmate named Tiny Tim. And when Tiny Tim passed, I was bereft and it took a few days. And I found that I really needed to, I needed to put the work in, in my way. And I, of course, I, I, I wanted to feel him and I was looking for him, but I felt like a wall had closed and there was no way to reach him. I started to just to do this kind of visualization, this work wherein I imagined him walking alongside me. And Tiny Tim was a three-legged dog missing his uh, one of his front legs. So when he walked, he would basically gallop. And so I would see him galloping alongside me. And at one point, and I was actually walking in to do my first day of volunteering at, a, at an animal shelter. At one point, I imagined him walking alongside me. And then he jumped up into my heart and curled up into my heart as though he was curling into his bed. That's where he lives. So I have this wonderful image that's very visceral that I feel, but I, I tend to it because I, I think it's important to keep reinforcing in a positive way that image. And so for me, he lives there. And as you said, like he's inspired so many things in my life. There's a real legacy. And it sounds as though Chili Dog created an incredible legacy for you. 
That is so beautiful. I love <laughs> that image, and I completely agree that you nurture the image, and yes. it's there. The other thing that I feel that yours is such an example of, too, and Chili Dog, is I believe that now, after they've passed on to the other side, whatever that mystery is, right. that there's more. It's not just about you and Tiny Tim or me and Chili Dog. They want us to share that love and share that connection in a bigger way. So it almost, to me, feels like we didn't know it, but we were making a bargain when we got to have such a wonderful bond on Earth. And that is that these gifts need to be shared and go on. It's not just about us. Yes, you're so right. You're so right. It's interesting because I have a lot of friends who, and again, yes, it's one of the hardest things to go through losing a pet. Um, and yet it is part of our contract with them. But many will say never again, never again. And I always like to encourage people, especially to adopt. So, you know, there's, you have all this love in your heart. Why don't you consider adopting again? And, and I, but I've had other friends that may not have brought another animal into their lives, but have supported shelters or have supported financially other animal sanctuaries of, of different kinds and maybe had sort of financially adopted animals in their lives. But I, I agree, like it's a continuation of that love. And again, I love the idea that, it, that it's a bond that carries on and we can represent that love and joy that we've had with our animals in different ways. Yes, I think there's multiple different ways. I, I too agree with you. It's sad if I hear somebody say they can't go through the pain again, so they don't want another one. But maybe they need to honor and go on with their beloved that's passed away by giving themselves more self-compassion and self-love mm. still that they yeah. learned from their beloved. Or maybe in, I had another person who isn't able because of her particular medical condition. She just doesn't feel she can handle another dog right now, but she writes beautiful poetry and passes it along into my pet loss support group to give comfort to other people. And that's her way of giving. So it's just opening up to whatever way it is that we continue to share their unconditional love and acceptance and the fact that they expanded our capacity to love and just being open to whatever way that might look like and carrying on. Yeah, absolutely. And it's been wonderful. I've spoken to many guests on this podcast whose dogs, once they pass, or even while they're, of course, while they're alive, have really inspired these incredible life changes, career changes, have inspired work in different nonprofits or just different ways of life. And um, I think we see this all the time. I wanted to ask you, Linda, a little bit about your Healing Hearts workshop and again, sort of how that evolved. Started as in-person workshops, but now with uh, the pandemic, the last year and a half now, it's turned into Zoom workshops, Yes, which I didn't think were going to work. I thought, oh no, healing needs to be in person. Not at all true. People are in the comfort of their own home. They may be surrounded by remembrances of their loved one. They feel safe, but are able to be vulnerable. It's been wonderful. So I only have up to four people in a group. And sometimes people prefer just a one-on-one -on -one private group, sure. Zoom group, and, and that's fine too. And we focus on the joy. I believe 
the healing's going to happen anyway. We know that. We don't need a workshop to heal. But I believe that it doesn't have to be so painful and grueling that right. we can navigate it in ways that can bring peace and even joy and purpose and, and open the heart back up. I love that. And I agree because our pets, again, I know that having lost a handful of them, it can be incapacitating. It can be paralyzing. But I love this idea that you're inviting them to try to rework that and to try to turn that loss into something more positive. What I found really the beginning of every workshop now, and this came to me, I felt like I came from Chili Dog because uh, he wanted to be invited in. So I invite his spirit <laughs> yeah. into the workshop and then Beautiful. I invite them to invite their spirits in too. So yeah. Sometimes I honestly feel I am just surrounded by so much love, which is why people have said to me, isn't it hard on you just hearing sad stories? It's like, well, there's so much love that it just overwhelms me sometimes, but it overwhelms me with joy, the love. Now, are there any particular stories of clients that you can share about how they maintain their connections with their dogs after a loss or any interesting sort of experiences that some of your clients might have had? I'm just really amazed with what people tell me. I did have one woman who allows me to share her story, and she had told me that she honestly was suicidal. She was just not getting past the pain. And after she felt reconnected through the workshop with Gizmo's spirit and what he wanted for her, and he felt her saying, you know, our life together has just begun, she felt a joy. She had a suicide note. She crumbled up. To It was incredible. And she's actually the person that I previously mentioned who writes amazing poetry, which she said she never wrote a poem. Before in her life, she feels it's wow. coming from Gizmo, and she asked me to share it with people in workshops or in the pet loss support group, wherever I feel it could be most needed. Wow, that's incredible. What a story. So I lost one of my beautiful girls a few weeks back. Her name is Millie, and Millie was with me through so much, so many different stages in my life, too numerous to mention. The day came that it was time for her to go. We sat down and talked and I told her to, I had lost my husband a few years ago and I told her, jump into John's arms. He'll be there waiting for you. And I imagined it. And again, it helped me. And while I took to my bed that day, uh, the next day I woke up and I felt a renewed energy to continue to do the work, to continue to love, and again, to honor her life by moving forward in mine. And, and I really feel like that's the message that you are communicating and working for. How can we find you online? Because I know so many people that are going to hopefully hear this and hear your message and reach out to you to do some work. Because again, I think that it's such a profound experience to lose one's dog or pet. And yet there are so many gifts. The best way, it would be my website, which is www.drlindaharper.com. Okay. People can call me, they can email me, and I'll give them information, talk to them. They can 
sign up for a workshop, whatever they want. Wonderful. And I know on your website, you have some wonderful links to some webinars and different talks that you've given about compassion fatigue. And the, and it mentions the books that you've written as well. So it's kind of the one-stop shop. Yeah, I think that's a, a good way to say it. That would be great. That's fantastic. So thank you again, Linda, for joining us today. Such beautiful work. I really honor everything that you're doing. Thank you so much. And the feelings are mutual. I honor everything you're doing. <laughs> thank you, Linda. I thought Linda's point of view on pet loss and bereavement was really unique and interesting. And I know many of the listeners out there can really relate to this. I just lost a dog, Millie. And, um, you know, each dog for me is different when I lose them. And each one has a different legacy and a different feeling. But in my mind, I try to really keep the idea that they are alive in my heart and that there is so much to learn and to keep learning and feeling and that the relationship continues after they're gone. And so there's so much in this, and I'm so grateful to Linda for speaking with us today. Thank you for listening to this episode of Dog Save the People, a podcast about how dogs make our lives better. This show is made by As It Should Be, a production company and content studio. It is made with the support of Scott Benaglio, executive producer, and Jack Summer, our producer and editor. And special thanks to Daniel Lampert, our neighbor and composer, for creating the music for the show. You can follow Dog Save the People on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like this show, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also follow our show on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. To sign up for our monthly email newsletter, you can go to dogsavethepeople.com. On the website, you'll also be able to find merch in our new online gift shop. This includes shirts from the Tiny Tim Rescue Fund, my foundation, where profits go to supporting independent rescues and shelters. If you have any questions or submissions, please drop a note to the email address bark at dogsavethepeople.com. Enjoy a walk with your dog outside and make it a great day for both of you. <laughs>